take your seats. And if you have your Bibles with you, you might like to turn to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17. Brothers, become fellow imitators with me, and observe those who walk according to our example. For many are walking in such a way that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. I have told you of them often, and I tell you again, even weeping. Their destination is destruction. Their God is their appetite. Their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, from where also we await for our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our body of humiliation so that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working of his power, even to subdue all things to himself. The title of my sermon today is Back to the Future. Back to the Future. And uh, if that sermon title rings any bells in your mind, it's because what was in my thinking was the famous uh, film of 1985, Back to the Future, uh, with Michael J. Fox. There you can see behind me. And uh, the reason I've, I've chosen this is because it says something to us, or there's, there's an idea within this film that I want us to think about today. Now, if you haven't seen the film, I'd encourage you to go and see it. In fact, I'd encourage you to see all three because they're an excellent series. But in this, what we have is we have a main character called Marty McFly, that's Michael J. Fox, and he ends up being transported by time machine from 1985 back into the 1950s. And he's got to work some things out in the 1950s in order to make sure that the future is okay for him and his family. And so you have this picture of this, 19, this boy, this teenage boy from 1985, transported in a time machine back into 1950s. He's in the same town, the same place, but it's the 1950s now. He then goes to the local high school, and in the local high school are his mother and father. Of course, they're not married, they're in high school. They don't even know that they're going to get married. Uh, and so you have this picture. Now, one of the interesting features is that Marty has this 1985 mindset. He knows exactly what's going to happen from the 1950s to, the to 1985. He knows the history. He knows how music will develop. He knows how politics will develop. He knows how science will develop. And here he is in the 1950s with this 1985 mindset. He's got a mindset of the future. And this is why sometimes those that are in the 1950s don't understand his dress. They don't understand some of the 1985 language that he uses. They don't understand this rock and roll thing that he starts playing uh, during the ball. And he says to them, I don't think you're ready for this yet. And so there he is. He's from a future culture 
with a future mindset in the 1950s. People find it difficult to understand him and he is at an advantage to those that are around him because he knows what's going to happen in the future, at least in 1985, and they don't. Now, what has this got to do with our lives as Christians today? Well, what I want, the message I want to bring you today is that, is that we too should take our minds back to the future. In other words, we are living today in 2016, but our mind should not be a 2016 mind, but our mind should be a mind that lives in the future today. In other words, we know that Jesus is coming soon. We know that the fullness of his kingdom will come when Jesus returns and all the kingdoms of this earth will be swallowed up in the kingdom of God. We know that when we read the Bible, I mean, you hear preachers say, don't they? They say, don't worry, I've read the back of the book and we win. You ever heard that phrase? In other words... We know what's going to happen in the end. Uh, uh, There's no doubt that the prophecies will come to pass that are in the scriptures. Jesus will return. Jesus will rule and reign on earth. Not only that, there'll be a new heavens and a new earth. And the heavenly Jerusalem will come down to earth. We know these things. Every tear will be wiped away. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more dying. Everything will be made new. All the wrongs in history will be righted when King Jesus returns. We see all these things in scripture and they're going to happen. Imagine if we time traveled today, not back to the 1950s like uh, Marty did, but imagine if we spent a long weekend and we time traveled to when Jesus returned. Can you imagine spending three days on the earth when Jesus has come back in his fullness and the fullness of the kingdom of God is all around us? There's no demonic activity. There's no fallen humanity. There's no evil or injustice. It is not just good like the Garden of Eden. It's perfect in every way. Can you imagine that type of experience? It only takes three days. And then imagine if we then transported you back from the future to 2016. You said, I've just had an incredible three days and I've been what it's like when Jesus returns and everything is renewed and put into order. You would never live life the same with that experience. Why? Because you would have a totally different mindset. You would be living in 2016, but you'd say, I've been to the future. I know what happens. And so you would not be ruffled by anything that takes place in history, uh, evils and injustices. When it looks like, like God is on the back foot and the devil is on the front foot, you would say, this is just for a temporary period. I've seen the end. I know what's going to happen. God is still in control. All of the contradictions of life on this fallen planet, you would be able to answer with a future mindset. You would be able to know that the kingdom of God is not here yet in its fullness, but it has begun its work. And so, just like Marty McFly, 
went back to the 1950s and lived with a 1985 mindset, God is calling on us not to live with a 2016 mindset like the rest of the people in this world who in their minds have nothing to rely on except the resources that are here right now on planet Earth, have nothing to put their hope in except the political forces or or, or the, the abilities that are available right now in 2016, are fearful for the future, don't know how things are going to pan out. You don't have to live like that anymore because you can take your mind back to the future and by the power of the Holy Spirit you can live 2016 with an end time Jesus return mindset. This is what we read actually in Philippians chapter 3 and uh, verse 17. It speaks about walking a certain kind of lifestyle with a certain kind of mindset. And Paul says, you know, there's people out there and they are living life without reference to Jesus dying on the cross. In fact, the way they live is an an enemy to everything that the cross is and everything that the cross stands for. He says that their God is their their appetite and their glory is their shame. And listen, and and in verse 28, their minds are set on earthly things. They have a mindset on the things of the earth, the 2016 resources of the earth. They are earthly mindset. Everything they think about has to do with this current fallen earth. They, they, they don't think about God. That's their mindset. But then in verse 20, he says this, in comparison, as a Christian, our citizenship is in heaven. We're not citizens of this earth, but we're citizens of heaven. He says that those that have an earthly mindset, he says their their destination is destruction. In other words, Paul can say, we know what will happen at the end for those that are enemies of Christ. Right now, the enemies of Christ might be laughing at the church, laughing at Almighty God. The enemies of the cross might be prospering. They might have political power. But Paul's seen the end result. He's got an end time mindset. His mind has gone back to the future. He says, but don't worry. Don't worry about when the, when the wicked seem to be prospering because we know where that will end. He then says we're citizens of heaven, but he also points us to the future, to have a future mindset. He says our citizenship is in heaven from where also we await the saviour who will give us eternal resurrected bodies. So he's saying you're a citizen of heaven and you're living in hope. Not everything of the kingdom of God is manifest right now in 2016. That's why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Because there's so much more of it to come and one day it will come in its fullness. Now I like this phrase, you are a citizen of heaven. Think about that. I suppose many of you have been watching some of the Olympics And the Olympics is an amazing thing, not just for the sport, but also because we are seeing citizens from different nations of the world, nearly all the nations of the world, coming to a a, a city like Rio and then all these sporting occasions. And we get to see the different cultures and the different national uh, traits that are taking place during it. So, for example, when uh, the British diving Uh, swimmers, when they won their gold, they were hugging each other so much they fell into the pool. 
And when the Chinese won their silver, they simply patted one another politely on the back. <laughs> We're talking about different citizens of different nations with different cultures. That, that wonderful, I don't know if you saw it in the paper, that wonderful selfie between the North Korean gymnast and the South G Korean gymnast girl. And you see, uh, although divided by such different ideologies, North Korea, South Korea, there they are. They're both gymnasts. They're both young Korean girls. And they're just happy to be with one another. Although we should pray for the North Korean gymnast. She might get told off when she gets home. So remember her in your prayers. Or, uh, or watching. That watching recently, we, we saw the Australia hockey team go out to play hockey at the Olympics and to see their faces as by mistake they played the New Zealand anthem. You could see that they were not citizens of New Zealand in any way, shape or form and although they rectified it, you could see they, they, that they, um, they, they weren't happy with it. Or volleyball. You've got burkas and bikinis. One side burkas, another side bikinis. Different cultures. What I'm trying to say is that on this earth we have many different citizens from many different nations with many different passports, with many different cultural traits for good or for bad, identities, ways of expressing themselves, value systems, religious systems, they're all there. But in Christ there is no one nation or other nation, but we are all one. When you become a Christian, you receive a new passport, a new identity, new values, new principles, and they're all to be found in the culture of the kingdom of heaven. Amen. I mean, we're blessed at Kensington Temple. Last count, we had 109 different nationalities and major ethnic groups in this church. And uh, we celebrate many times the different nationalities. We love the different cultures that are part of us. Uh, we love the different nationalities and, and their traits. And, and we celebrate those. But at the same time, we celebrate something even more powerful than that. And that's that Jesus, by his death on the cross, has made all of us one people in him. And so when we're talking about being a citizen of heaven, we're talking about having a different mindset to citizens of the world, a different way of thinking, a different value structure, uh, a different way of living. That's what a mindset is. A mindset is your foundational beliefs, not just what you say you believe, but what you really believe. Your foundational values, the things that matter to you and the things that don't matter to you. The attitudes and feelings that cause you to live like you're living right now. Acting like you're acting like right now. Reacting and responding to events as you do. Beneath all those things is your mindset. And I'm saying today that we need an end time mindset. We need a victorious mindset in the midst of a fallen world where a war is raging and that that mindset is a future mindset. We take our minds back to the future of God's ultimate victory and with that confidence we live out our citizenship here on earth. The New Testament teaches us that, in essence, there's really only two mindsets. 
there may be many different cultures, many different nationalities, many different religions on the earth, but basically there are two basic mindsets and attitudes to life. You see this in the New Testament. Uh, These two attitudes or mindsets or standpoints or outlooks to living today, uh, the first one is called the failed mindset of the flesh. This is what we call a fleshly, earthly mindset, a way of viewing life and living life that does not acknowledge God. Now, if you want to see this mindset in all of its expression, then you can read it in Romans chapter 1, Romans 1 verse 18. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you today, but for further study. It begins by saying that although human beings all around them have the magnificence of creation that speak about the signature of God in creation, they don't acknowledge God to be God, neither do they give him thanks. So they're living life without reference to the true and living God. They don't appreciate him. They don't acknowledge him. They don't thank him. They don't live any way in reference to him and who he is. Now, I like the summary version of Romans 8, 1, 18 to 22, found in Romans 1, 28. This gives you a picture, a snapshot of this current mindset of today. Romans 1, 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to a debased mind to do the things which are not proper. And if you read Romans 1, 18 to 32, you will see a whole list of examples of improper living that all stems from, number one, not acknowledging the true and living God, and number two, not thanking and responding to the fact that he has given you life on earth. It has no thanks, no acknowledgement of God, and it corrupts, it lives a corrupt life using its bodies to do its corruption. It's focused on this present age and what this present age has to offer. The resources of of this present world in 2016, the attitudes, the political systems, that's all that it has. It has no reference at all to God. And out of that come these selfish vices. Well, that's Romans chapter 1. But Romans also speaks about the other mindset. Remember I told you there were two mindsets. That's the first. The other mindset is not the failed mindset of the flesh, but it is the renewed, the new mindset of the spirit that is available for all of us that are born again. And you can see this expressed in Romans chapter 8. I won't go into it today. But Romans chapter 12 gives us a lovely summary of this new mindset that should replace the old failed mindset of Romans 1. Romans 12 verse 2. Let's see this mindset. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. You see, if we compare the two mindsets, we also know in Romans 12 that Paul encourages Christians to present their bodies as a living sacrifice for God, which is our, our appropriate act of thanksgiving. So, 
The failed mindset of the flesh does not acknowledge God, does not thank God, and does not respond in its living to God. However, the renewed mind of the spirit acknowledges God, worships God, responds to God using its body or life on earth to do God's will and brings acts of service. The old fleshly failed mindset focuses on only what the earth can give it. We saw that in Philippians 3. It's God is its appetite. In other words, it's only what I want. There's no reference to what God wants, but what I want. It's earthbound, earth-focused, and does not avail itself of the resources of heaven of which we are citizens. So we have these two pictures. Uh, we can also talk about these uh, two pictures as the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. You'll see the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. And if you compare what the works of the flesh are, it's just like reading Romans 1. And if you look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which we will in a moment, you'll see that this is a totally different way of living, totally different mindset, totally different attitudes. In fact, these are the principles, mindset and characteristics of people that are in heaven, the angels, Jesus himself, saints that have been glorified. We need today a future mindset to cope with what we need to cope with in daily life. We need to judge what happens in history today, what happens to us in life today, the situations and circumstances that we find ourselves, we need to judge them, not in the light of 2016's earthly resources, but we should judge them in the light of what's going to happen when Jesus comes. And how many of you know that Jesus is coming soon? Sooner than you would ever believe. The more we anticipate and are excited, and only the Holy Spirit can do this, but the more we respond to the Holy Spirit's excitement and intuition that Jesus is coming soon and that history is drawing to a close, the more radical change will come in our lives. Paul writes to Titus and he says, you know, we have this hope, the blessed hope, when Jesus returns in all his epiphany and glory. And he says, because Jesus is on his way back. Because of that, sanctify yourselves. Make the correct adjustments in your life and thinking because Jesus is coming. Can you imagine if uh, some famous king from a different nation was coming to London Heathrow and you had been asked to be on the reception committee to greet that king or queen uh, as they hit Heathrow, you would make necessary adjustments to be there to greet him. That's what Paul is talking about. When the Thessalonians are going through such persecution where it seems like evildoers and antichrists will crush them, Paul says to them, take heart, Jesus is coming soon and he, when he comes, will right every wrong. So there's an appeal to have a mind that goes back to the future in order to deal with daily life. We need to be like a city, under siege but preparing to be liberated. We need to be like those that are under attack, 
but we can hear the sound of the cavalry that are coming just in time and we take heart and we fight back against the enemy. We need to realise that we're citizens of a new kingdom. We are pioneers and we will inherit this earth. How many of you know that? The arrogant won't inherit the earth. The rich won't inherit the earth. The forceful won't inherit the earth. Who's going to inherit the earth? The meek, the humble, the people that put their emphasis on kingdom principles in order to succeed and not earthly principles. You know, in the Second World War, there was a D-Day. And on that D-Day, the Allied forces entered into France and Europe at that time was under the domination of Nazi Germany. Once they got that foothold in Normandy and they got all their resources coming in, do you know the war was over? There was no going back from that moment. Oh, there was plenty of fighting to be done, but that the war was over and they knew and they had courage that they were going to take. That's exactly where we are today, friends. The enemy is disturbed. The enemy is concerned. Why is the devil concerned? Why is he worried? What brings the devil the most anxiety into his life? Do you know the devil has anxiety problems? <laughs> what is he worried about? He knows that his time is... He knows his time is short. And he can, he can dominate and destroy and, and, and uh, work as the prince of the power of this earth as the God of this age, and he can work his works, but he has deep anxiety problems. You think you're worried. I was going to say, put yourself in his shoes, but don't. You think you're worried. He knows his time is short. Why? He's got a mind that knows what's going to happen in the future. And when we have the same mind that he has, it brings anxiety to him. But when we think of the future, it brings confidence, strength, boldness and fearlessness no matter what we need to face in this current time. You are in a temporary state of affairs right now. Great Britain is in a temporary state of affairs right now. Europe is in a temporary state of affairs. America is in a temporary state of affairs. And even if it looks at times that the devil is winning, false views are winning, we know what's going to happen. And because we know what will happen, we can have strength. Because we are the pioneers of the kingdom that will reign over all kingdoms. Amen. We have a king that will reign. We are, we are the advance guard of Jesus' second coming. And we're fully equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit. We see in 1 Peter 2, chapter 11, this mindset. 1 Peter 2, chapter 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. In other words, we are foreigners and exiles. Some versions say we're pilgrims. What does that mean? Have you ever been to a foreign country which, where its culture is so different to your culture, you feel totally disorientated, you haven't a clue what's going on, you really do feel like an alien, because it's like you've entered another planet. Have you ever been to a nation like that? Maybe some of you, when you first came to London, you felt like that. 
from your nation. You thought, what is going, the way that people treat one another, the way that they, you know, maybe, maybe you have the temerity to say hello to somebody on the tube. You know, all these sort of cultural things. And, and what he's saying is, don't get sucked in to that old, failed mindset of Romans 1, the works of the flesh. But he says, live as a foreigner, live as an exile. There has to be, in our lives, a clash of, clash of culture. Have you a sufficient culture clash going on in your hearts to be called a citizen of heaven? Because the failed mindset is nothing like the mindset of the Holy Spirit. You see in Galatians 5, uh, before we get into the works of the flesh, and the, uh, which, which is the failed mindset and the fruit of the Spirit, it says the flesh fights against the Spirit and the Spirit fights against the flesh because they are at war with one another. There needs to be a culture clash to come into our lives afresh where the culture of the kingdom of heaven clashes with the culture of this antichrist earth and causes change to take place in the way that we think. Change to take place in our attitudes and change to take place in our lifestyles. This is a work of none other than the Holy Spirit. When we look at Galatians 5.22, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It gives you, I haven't got, I'm going to go into highlights in this sermon, but it gives you a picture of the type of citizen or character you meet who comes from the kingdom of heaven. It says that the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and I've slightly changed the interpretation because it doesn't come out very well in most of our Bibles. The fruit of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life or the culture of the kingdom of God is love. Joy, peace, patient endurance, a kindly attitude, generous open-heartedness, faith in God and faithfulness to others, gentleness to those under your control, self-control. We could also, if we wanted to, spend time in 1 Corinthians 13, the great love passage, that tells us what love is and tells us what love isn't. We could go to James 3, 17, when I will right now, that talks about a wisdom from above, a heavenly thinking, a heavenly culture that is the identity of someone who has a renewed mind. James 3, 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to mercy, sorry, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, without favoritism or partiality and without hypocrisy. And these are just samples of the type of characteristic that the Holy Spirit is wanting to produce in our lives. You see, all of our actions, all of our responses, all of our priorities, all of our values have to be filtered through what happened on the cross 2,000 years ago. Because when Paul came to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians, they were born again, they had their passports from heaven, but they were still living according to the failed mindset. Think of the failed mindset, the works of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5, full of selfishness, echoing Romans chapter 1. 
And Paul had to say to the Corinthians, you wanted wisdom to know how to live your life. You wanted me to teach you a mindset on how to deal with daily life. But you couldn't hear what I was saying because you didn't get the basics of what it means to be a citizen of heaven. You were too busy following your own sensual desires that are rooted into this world system. You Greeks, you wanted cleverness, cleverness of preaching, new ideas. And you Jews, you wanted miracle after miracle after miracle. And because I knew you were chasing after those things, Paul says, I came to you with one message, live in the light of Christ crucified. Live in the light of Christ crucified. What would Jesus do in the situation that you're in? What Jesus did on the cross. Now, some people, when they look at this, they get stumbled because they say, how can this heavenly culture work in such a fallen earthly world? You've spoken, Bruce, about people with failed minds. Well, how can gentleness, peace, mercy, faithfulness, patient endurance and kindness, how can that ever win when you've got the Romans 1 brigade and the works of the flesh brigade coming with anger, physical power, manipulation, world finances, all these dark envy, anger, all these dark traits where they are, are oppressing and rising up and pride and self. Uh, surely, traits like patience and humility, these, we're just going to get trampled over on this earth by such people. And this is where many people fail the test of trusting God because they know they're Christians, but they don't live as citizens of heaven. They don't have a mind that's gone back to the future to live today. They think in order to live as a Christian in this world, it's dog eat dog, so I better start eating some dog. <laughs> no. The thing is this, there are two keys that you must have working in your present life to unlock the powers of the coming age. The first is knowledge and reliance on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has said once and again in the New Testament that he is the guarantee of things to come. In other words, he is a piece of the fullness of the future that has come to work on earth. When you have the Holy Spirit, you have a powerful manifestation of what's going to happen when Jesus returns. Isn't that what revival is? Isn't revival simply an increasing working of the Holy Spirit that brings more of heaven down to earth for that period of time? More of heaven's influence, more of heaven's culture, more of heaven's conviction. Didn't Jesus say that one of the main works of the Holy Spirit would be to speak of things to come? That's why the more we rely in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, the more he will excite us and turn our minds to our blessed hope, the return of Jesus, that will give us strength to, to work. Today's a guarantee. He is a foretaste of things to come. Every time the Holy Spirit touches your life, it's a touch of heaven coming to you. It's a taste of the fullness to come. Have you ever been in a supermarket and you see those tables and they've got samples? might be a cheese on a stick or a piece of pizza or a cake. And you go and they say, would you like to try a sample, sir? Would you like to try a sample, madam? And you, you take that sample and you taste it. You go, mmm, yeah, I, li I like that. Can I have another piece? No, you have to buy the whole cake. It's just, the whole point is this is a sample. You don't just keep eating the samples. 
Well, the Holy Spirit is a sample of things to come. He's all we've got of heaven on earth. He is the link between heaven and earth. But then I say he's a sample. When the Holy Spirit comes in power, his sample is more than you can take and more than I can take in these present uh, fallen bodies. What we need is more and more of the Holy Spirit. The perfect prayer is, Father, send your spirit to your children. The more we have the Holy Spirit, the more he cooperates with us, the more we'll get a foretaste and inbreaking of the fullness to come in our lives. Secondly, prayer. Prayer. Prayer bridges the gap between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdoms of this earth. It takes the place, listen to this, if you don't don't take anything away from this sermon today, take this, I've nearly finished. Prayer takes the place of fleshly power in the believer's life. It takes the place. Where you would use fleshly means, where you would use failed mindset attitudes, instead you take it to the Lord in prayer. Don't you realise I know we're not perfect and and in our lives we have we struggle with frustrations sometimes anger sometimes we want to strike back sometimes we're bitter it's called living in a fallen world isn't it Uh, uh, all these things and we have these attitudes that want to react out of the failed mindset the works of the flesh well what do you do These bad attitudes, although understandable attitudes in this wicked world, they are meant to be fuel for prayer. Fuel to prayer. Instead of striking back physically or emotionally or with words or with manipulations, you take it to the Lord. You pray. You pray it through and then that releases you to act in the, the fruit of the Spirit, knowing that God is in control. Amen. What you're doing, you're trusting that there's a kingdom in heaven. You're trusting that when you pray, your will be done, your kingdom come, that that will, now or later, override the powers of the devil, override the willful exertions of failed human beings, that in the end, God will come through. You're not fighting back as the world fights, but you're fighting back in the spiritual realm. You cannot exhibit the fruit of the Holy Spirit or the wisdom from above in any sense of victory or power if you don't spend time on your knees. Your problem is, and mine, your problem is, is that you're not dealing with the issues before the throne of grace. And so you're ending up having to deal with them like the non-Christian deals with them, who has no access to the powers of the kingdom of God. You have all of heaven available for you. You have the blood of Jesus that pleads on your behalf. Tonight at the six o'clock service, I'm going to be teaching on the lost art, spiritual art of pleading the blood. The early Pentecostals got their breakthroughs and got their heavens poured out in their present experiences partly because they pleaded the blood before the throne of God. Hardly anyone pleads the blood before the throne of God today. It's it's a forgotten spiritual art and and many people that plead the blood do it in a superstitious way that has no power at all. Just repeating the blood is meaningless. But we have such powers in heaven so that whatever happens on earth, we know 
that we have power in prayer and we have the Holy Spirit on our sides. It's releasing. You're no longer under the resources of this earth. You no longer have to, have to bow your knee to Satan or bow your knee to false culture or bow your knee to those that are dominated by the failed mind of Romans 1. You are liberated to be everything that God wants you to be. And what God wants you to have in prayer, you'll get the victory. You're not part of this fallen world system anymore. I know we're a work in progress, but we're in progress. You are part of a different system. It's not a failed kingdom like the United Kingdom. It's not a failed nation like America or any other nation that you can mention. There are failing nations, failing kingdoms. It's not a failed religion. It's not a failed philosophy. But this that we proclaim to you, the kingdom of Christ crucified and Christ rose to God, is a victorious eternal kingdom that cannot be shaken. It cannot be shaken and when all done and dusted and when every world resource, world system, world religion, world politics has been shaken to its core, the kingdom of God which stands today will come and will take its place. It's already advancing. You don't have to fear anymore. You don't have to worry anymore. Take the worries, the legitimate worries. Take them to the throne. Take them to the Holy Spirit. Call on the Holy Spirit like there's no tomorrow. Plead the blood before the Father because the blood of his Son is irresistible. He can't help but answer prayers in his will. Why? Because Jesus died. Not, not only that he would have authority, but he'd be able to apply a mercy through his... The blood and death of Christ is our wisdom. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why nothing can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing this earth has that can separate us from God's love. And God hasn't given up on this world. On the contrary, he's barely begun. And God is looking to do new things in new ways through our lives. He hasn't even started on your life, my friend. Don't wait till heaven to get transformed with the renewing of your mind. God at this moment is working in your heart, working in your mind, working in his, your circumstances. His purpose is to perform. If you're going through a trial, consider it all joy. That's the future mindset speaking back. Why? Because he's working maturity, ability. He's weaning you off the, poison of, the poisonous milk of this world and he's putting you onto the milk and meat of this kingdom. Oh God, in heaven hear our prayer as we come to you today. That you would visit us with the Holy Spirit that speaks of better things to come as the blood of Jesus speaks of better things to come. Lord, we thank you that in an instant, in a twinkling of the eye, everything's going to change. There are those that are on earth walking one way, living another. God's going to come back for his saints and we're going to be redeemed. We're going to be resurrected. We're going to be transformed and glorified. God, give us a taste of the future today. Lord, we need more. We need a greater sample of that which will come into our lives. Don't leave us with the meagre amounts of the Holy Spirit that are operating in our lives today. Hear our prayer. We plead the blood of Jesus before the throne of God for this people that are here today and for this nation. Don't leave us and give us over to what we deserve like those of the failed mindset but instead pour out your Holy Spirit. Influence our hearts like never before. Set our crooked minds straight. Give us the mind of Christ. 
and influx and influence our lives. Don't leave us as we are, Holy Spirit, but we call on you to come like the latter rain that was promised, to wash us and to cleanse us, to shake us and to renew us in our most holy faith. Father, send your Holy Spirit on this congregation. Father, move heaven and earth. Let the resources and possessions that are ours in heaven come down to earth. Send forth emissary angels and warring angels to do your will. We pray that heaven will come down to earth, that your will will be done and that your kingdom will come in our lives as it is in heaven. Let it be experienced on earth. God, we know that you're coming in glory. Give us some of the future glory now and change us and mould us. Make us into vessels that are prepared and able to carry the type of glory that you want to give us as a sample. Change us, Lord. Take us out of the past way of thinking and give us future minds. We bring our minds to the future. Lord, we are an end time people. Let us live out of the end time, we pray. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. To the carnally mind, things are death, but to the spiritual mind, life and peace. Let your Holy Spirit in waves of glorious power. Lord, we're not asking for signs and wonders like the Jews in Corinth. Lord, we're not asking for clever tricks or new philosophies, but we're asking for the power of the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit who answers to the pleading of the blood to come and visit and change us and renew us and revive us and don't leave us till we change. Come at us in the midnight hour. Come at us in the middle of our sin and visit us, confront us and sanctify us by the power of the Holy Spirit that is God's executive on earth today. I pray for your soul that the Holy Spirit will wash over you. I pray for you that you will encounter in the coming days the Holy Spirit in the quiet times when he gives you the whisper, in the loud times when he rolls like thunder. I pray for a work of the miraculous in your soul that you might experience so much more of what God has for you and purposed for you in the name of Jesus Christ. Why don't you just bow your heads in prayer. Let the Holy Spirit just rest upon you right now. The greatest work of God is that which he does on the inside. The greatest work of God that will ever take place and that you will ever experience is what he's trying to do on the inside of you. He has not given up on you. He's barely begun. Is anybody in this place today and you don't know whether you're a Christian or not? You don't know whether your sins are forgiven or not. Now's the time to cross from the world of the failed mind into the world of the new mind, the mind of the Spirit. It's just one prayer away. Eternal salvation and the kingdom of heaven and all that I've spoken of is one prayer away from your heart. Father, forgive me because Jesus died for my sins and he won't turn you away because of Jesus. Your sins will be forgiven you. You'll be made brand new. Now you will have a new life. A life that springs from the future. You say, I want my sins. I want to know, as, I want to know for sure my sins have forgiven me. 
I want to say that prayer right now. Right where you're sitting, just lift your hand to the Father and say, this is me, Lord. This is my moment. I'm not here for accident. Yes, up the balcony. I'm here by your will to transform my life. Just lift your hand where you are. And God will meet you where you are. In the row, fourth row back. Anybody else? And up to the right. The lower hall and even on the internet. For the rest of us, let us ask the Holy Spirit to make us sober of mind, as 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians 4 and 5 speak about being sober of mind, because Jesus is coming soon. Let that impartation work its work in your life. We're going to stand together. We're going to seal what God is working in our lives today. And then after that, we're going to pray for anybody that needs pray, praying and we'll say the grace and dismiss. But let's take the last few moments of this service by standing together and responding to what God has spoken to you personally today and is speaking to you through worshipping him.